The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Alifia Dorewala is our guest for the half hour. Alifia is managing director at Rock Creek. She joins from Washington, D.C. Alifia, thanks so much. Uh, so much going on in markets. So we've got some earnings generally very positive. Today's economic data was much above forecast. Now we've got the Fed. We're hearing kind of hawkish language. The market suspects, though, that we may be closer to a pivot than the Fed is letting on. Make sense of where things are for you right now in terms of market action. Yeah, I, you know, we're very cautious on increasing exposure to risk assets. Despite the July bear market rally we saw, there's just not enough data or evidence to really increase our conviction on entering the market these, these levels. And I think investors have to remember the equity and bond markets are at great odds right now, right? We have an inverted yield curve and bond markets are pricing in a recession. And yet equity investors seem to be bypassing a lot of that and in the hope of, of more optimism um, rather than what the bond markets are telling us. So you're risk averse. Does that mean you expect a bit more downside to come in equities? Yes, I think we um, are predicting potentially another leg down during the second half. And it's all really dependent on growth, inflation and policy. Right. Those are the three factors we're monitoring cautiously. But you also have to remember the S&P is still up over 20 percent from where it was peak pre-pandemic. So to think that there could be another leg down, I think, is not out of the realm of possibility. So is it complacency or is that really more about a, a lack of options at this point? You know, that is very, very true. There is a lack of options. A lot of investors are just saying, let's just try and stay out of the way of anything that can hurt us in the portfolio. Be cautious. Um, but I think you have those investors that are just painting a, a rosier picture than potentially we're seeing. And I think a lot of them are discounting what bond markets are saying and even what the Fed is saying and really looking beyond that and saying, well, maybe the second half of next year, the Fed's going to have to cut rates. We think it's a little too early to be talking about that. Let's take a look at the earnings picture, though. So far, it's been much better than some of those worst case scenarios that were feared. Do you find that at least reassuring that there's some well-run businesses out there with good fundamentals? Do you look at opportunities like that? I think there are definitely, you know, those companies that have durable cash flows that are going to be able to come out on the other end. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be withstanding some volatility and potentially lower valuations in the next year or so, right? I mean, even if you look at Starbucks, they um, reported, they, you know, the stock rose today because the earnings calls said demand was still strong and they were raising prices to partially offset higher labor costs. But how long are consumers going to be paying $7 for a latte? If things continue to get worse and we're seeing a global growth slowdown, inflation doesn't move from here. I think the mixed results that you saw uh, during this earnings season could turn into companies potentially guiding downward. I think the other aspect of of earnings in corporate, um, you 
you know, response is the strong dollar, right? Mm. And that remains a major headwind for global companies, including some of the bigger tech companies that, again, will be fine in three, four, five years, but what's going to happen in the near term? And Alicia, you're painting a rather grim picture earlier uh, about the prospect of recession and growth in the US and uh, how you're a little risk averse when it comes to markets there. So where do you put money to work? Do you look offshore at the moment? You know, we've always thought that um, emerging markets present a good long-term opportunity. I think in the near term, North Asia had always been attractive to us. And there are still some bright spots, you know, it's, you know, despite the, the tensions that we're seeing across um, some, some of the northern Asian countries. But there are some bright spots. There's companies in, in India, both on the private side as well as on the public side, that have really been able to weather the pandemic. And India as a whole, in terms of the economy, has come out potentially better than some of their emerging market peers. Some of the ASEAN countries have been a big beneficiary of some of the uh, slowdown that we saw in China and some of the supply chain issues that we saw. And, you know, I think China remains to be seen in terms of whether we're able to, you know, get back into China in a meaningful way. It's a huge part of the market. China's central bank is now in the position of the Fed pre-pandemic, right? Lowering interest rates to below 1%. They've had little success so far in boosting demand, but we're going to have to wait and see whether that plays out and whether that's a place that we want to get back in. Yeah. But I will say that I think U.S. equities still remain the most attractive risk-reward opportunity Partic- in the near term. Particularly troubling on the mainland is the the property uh, segment. That we know is just riddled with, with difficulty right now now and uh, the boycotts that we've been talking about on this show. Are you skeptical about the strength of the consumer in China? I'm curious about the themes that you would like. If you had to get exposure to markets in Asia, is it more uh, technology from a kind of a bigger picture? And I'm talking about semiconductors or anything related to hardware, robotics, whether you want to avoid the exposure to, let's say, consumer facing tech. I think, you know, three, four years ago, that was all we were looking at in terms of potential investments, right? The delivery platforms and all of the the more consumer tech-focused names, ed tech, all of that has really been areas that we've been wanting to avoid in the past year and and going forward. And so I think it is definitely much more around some of the areas you mentioned in terms of, um, you know, the hard hardware, in terms of semiconductors, and in terms of inputs into the supply chain. Um, And so those are the areas that we're focused on because we think that also the government will be less likely to maybe intervene in some of those areas that are less consumer dependent. Given the uncertainty, do you have a greater allocation to havens than you normally would? And if so, what havens would they be? Because uh, bonds are traditionally not performing as you might expect in a traditional 60-40 portfolio. There are very little havens today, but cash is still king. And so it sounds boring, but I think, you know, being cautious and then continuing to keep higher levels of cash, which we're seeing across institutions um, that are able to do that, it's great because you can be flexible, you can pivot. But of course, a lot of investors are going to find it hard to do that as their private you know, portfolios continue to increase and their balances of, of cash decrease. So, so we're in a fortunate position to be keeping higher levels of cash that we can jump into the market when we see some of this um, change in course. Okay, so give me a percentage. Is that 10% of your portfolio right now in cash? Is it greater than 10%? I'd say depending anywhere from 5 to 10%. Go ahead, Paul. Much higher on, levels. Yeah. Uh, just before we let you go, uh, you know, we did, of course, have the OPEC Plus meeting uh, yesterday, a smaller than expected increase. Where do you see energy prices heading from here? Do you feel as if they've maybe peaked now? 
You know, it's funny. Everyone keeps talking about how gas prices have come down 11% in the last few weeks. But we have to remember gas is still up 26% since beginning of the year. And I really see no end in sight for gas prices to come down anywhere near levels that we had seen a year or two years ago if we don't see resolution in areas like Ukraine and Russia. So I think that is a situation that will really, you know, determine the path of, of oil, of gas prices here in the U.S. And that is a huge factor in terms of whether we see um, inflation come down here in the U.S. Yeah, and by extension, very quickly, I assume you don't feel inflation has peaked either, right? Not not quite. I wish I could say I did, but it you know, remains to be seen. I, I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. All right. Uh, Alifia Doriwala, Managing Director at Rock Creek, thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia today. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio.